still rejoicing about Jonathan praying in the altar this morning. You know, if we don't thank God for one soul, he'll never give us a second. I'll never forget one of my first outreach services I ever did. We went to a uh, drug and alcohol rehab center in Van Cleve, Mississippi. It wasn't, uh, wasn't the home of grace. It was some little independent. It's still there. I, we, me and Brother Tim seen a man in the not too distant past. We were somewhere together and uh, I don't know how it came came up. He mentioned he was from Van Cleve and I said we used to go. I said you remember Brother Tim we used to go to that little drug and alcohol rehab place in Van Cleve. It was a little bit of a drive even from Forks Lake to get out there and we'd go out there once a month on Fridays and uh, that guy said he, he named the name of the place. I said yeah that's it. I said, is it still there? He said, still there, still open. He said, I came through that place. And uh, that was one of the first places that I had ever did outreach outside of the nursing home. And I remember being not being familiar with even how to do an outreach service. So I had prayed and fasted for three days and said, Lord, I don't know what it's going to be like. I just know that they're lost and need help. And... Uh, one boy came to the altar that night and uh, gave his heart to God, came up to me afterwards, told me how the Lord spoke to his heart, and just wept and cried. And uh, Brother C.D. Colley came up to me and he put his arm around me. He said, son, that was, that was a really good message and uh, I'm proud of how God used you. And I started crying. I said, Brother Colley, I said, I prayed fasted three days for that boy to get saved. I said, I'm just so thankful. And I seen the look on his face. You know, he had been a preacher long, as long as I've been alive, probably longer. And uh, he said, God, don't ever let me forget how precious one soul is. No matter where you're at, it's one-on-one -on -one witnessing like Brother Steve's doing. If you're in a rehab somewhere or if you're in a church. So if I was in a church service of 500 and only one came to the altar to get saved, I ought to be thankful that somebody got saved. So uh, if you're not, God has no reason to save anybody else if we're not even going to thank him for the ones that he did save. So I'm rejoicing this evening. I'm, I'm thankful. And uh, I pray that God will just plug him into... Uh, a church there close to his house and God will just transform and revolutionize the rest of his life. God's got a plan for his life. And uh, I don't know if he's single, then God's got, got the right person out there for him, for him to marry. God's got his entire future mapped out how he wants to bless him and use it in the kingdom of God. And it'll start somewhere right there in a local church. Uh, near where he lives. So uh, I'm just praying that God will do that for us here. With He'll draw them out of these neighborhoods and communities and uh, he'll save them and they'll, they'll stay right here with us here at Bible Way. <clears throat> going to read tonight out of the book of Psalms, chapter 78, while you're finding your text. Uh, I do want to 
remind you that on Thursday night of this week, uh, Sister Helen Stewart starts a uh, revival. They, they have their midweeks on Thursday night, so uh, she's starting on Thursday night. Thursday and Friday night will be Brother Kenny Morris. If you've never heard of Brother Kenny, uh, he preached a one-camp meeting for us, but if you've never heard him, he's just a father of the faith for, for many of us that came up in my fellowship. Just He's a preacher's preacher, much like Brother Clendenin was. He is one of the best I've ever heard. If, you, if you've never heard him, then I just challenge you to make the drive up there or you ride with me when I go on Friday uh, Thursday and Friday and uh, uh, it'll be worth the drive I promise and then on Saturday morning uh, I'll be preaching and on Sunday morning Brother Corey will be preaching for him uh, to close that revival out so uh, looking forward to that if you want to go with us we'd love for you to go also just as a point of reference I believe it's September the Fourth through the ninth, we'll be having Brother Joe Gans and his family will, will be with us here at Bible Way for revival on the Sunday through Friday. And Brother Gans is a tremendous preacher, and uh, I believe just as tremendous of a singer. Just one of those guys that's got one of those voices that's out of the world. I've heard him sing before, and I said, man voice is just strong enough to punch through a wall it seems like but uh, I, I'm looking forward I'm excited God's really using him right now mightily on the evangelistic field and uh, he's excited and I'm excited and uh, so if you will mark that on your calendar September the 4th through the 9th is I believe the correct dates but it's the first full week there in September, so Sunday through Friday, so very much looking forward to that as well. Uh, also, uh, next Friday, not this Friday, but next Friday will be our men's fellowship. I don't know, you know who's speaking yet, brother? Don't know who's speaking, but it'll be good. Yeah. Amen. So, men, mark that on your calendar as well. Psalms chapter number 78. Read two verses, verse 40 and 41. Psalm 78, verses 40 and 41. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back, tempted God, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I want to preach on a very simple thought on a line in the sand. A line in the sand. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for how you spoke to us this morning. I believe, God, you're going to speak to us just as mightily and powerfully tonight, Lord. Every word in this scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And I pray tonight, Lord God, that you would help us, that the word of God would be mixed with faith and that we would profit from it like we preached this morning, that our lives would be profitable. Oh God, I pray tonight 
you'll just save the lost, heal the sick, baptize the believer. Make a way tonight, oh God, for someone that's struggling or hurting. And I ask you, Lord, to do it for Christ and in his, or for his namesake and for his honor and for his glory because he's the one that paid the price for it, Lord. He bought us. He bore the cross at Calvary. He rose again triumphant on the third day. So may he receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It's in his name we ask it. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And he said in verse number 40, they did this in the desert. It was in that 40-year wandering. Briefly made mention of that this morning. We understand a desert is to be full of sand. And a number of years ago, I was reading this text, and as I often do, looking at the Strong's Concordance or the strong, Strong's numbers, I wanted to see what the word limited really meant. In the Hebrews, the Hebrew word tavah, and it means to scrabble, to mark or make or set a mark. They, one commentary said that it could be read, they turned back and tempted God and drew a line in the sand under God. What they were saying was, is we know that you can do all of this, but now we're out here in the wilderness and we're dying, and it seems you can't do anything greater than anything you've done in the past. So you've reached your line of limitation. You've reached a, a mark to where you can't go any further or do anything any greater. And the Bible said that that provoked God to anger. And that God would not allow them to go any farther than that line that they drew in the sand because of their unbelief. Right. You know, the only limitation that God has on him is our limitation. That's right. If we can't believe, then God said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. So the, yeah. Yeah. the opposite of that is true. If you can't or won't or refuse to believe, then it won't be possible to you. It's not that God can't do it. It's that you can't see God do it. You can't believe that God would do it or can do it. Some people have this concept, this limited view of faith and that God will do it for Brother Daniel, but God would never do that for me. Well, why wouldn't he? He's no respect or person. God will do that for... Brother Eddie, but God would never do that for me. Well, why not? God's no respecter of person. He died to save everybody. He ascended to the Father and prayed for everyone to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And God's promises are in Christ, yes. And also in him, amen. Meaning they're immutable. They're unchangeable. 
They're eternal and everlasting. If there's a promise in that Bible to anybody, there's a promise in that Bible to everybody who will believe that God can and will through Christ. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? That says so much to me. A line in the sand is what I want to preach about tonight. I don't want to be one that limits God in any way, shape, form, or capacity. I don't want any lines drawn in the sand in my life and say, God, I understand you'll do it for them, but not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I hear people give awesome testimonies of being healed, and I think, well, they just got great faith to believe God for anything to be healed, but it just seems like when I pray, God don't answer, and I know he has done it for them, but for whatever reason, he's not going to do it for me. That's a lie. That's a lie. There, there are no degrees of faith that God has given unto every man a measure of faith. But what you do with your measure is on you. If you don't like where you are in God, I've always said you can do something about it. God said, draw nigh to me. Draw nigh unto God and God will draw nigh unto you. You can be as close to God as you want to be. You can have as much of him as you want to have. In the United States, the phrase, a line in the sand is most commonly associated with Texas history surrounding the Battle of Alamo. It was attributed to Colonel William Travis. He was a commander of the Alamo Defense Forces. In the waning days of the battle, somewhere during March the 3rd through the 5th, in the year of 1836, against Mexican General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, having the Alamo completely surrounded, Santa Ana sent a messenger to Travis demanding his surrender or else everyone in the compound would be killed. According to the legend, Travis called the Alamo defenders together, explained that defeat was almost certain, and read to them the letter of surrender. Travis then, having chosen to die instead of surrender, reportedly pulled his battle sword from his side and drew a line in the ground of the Alamo and asked for volunteers to cross over the line and joining him to stay and fight, understanding that if you cross the line, your decision would be irreversible, no backing out. The legend states that all but one of the defenders, including Jim Bowie and Davy Crockett, joined Travis on his side of the line. Only one man would, would decide to, to leave the Alamo that day. But the children of Israel literally, spiritually speaking, not literally, but spiritually speaking, figuratively, drew a line in the sand with God and provoked God to anger and jealousy by saying that God was limited or that God had limitations in his power. That seems absurd to me. There's all kind of people in Christendom, in Christianity, in the church abroad, 
that's the way their view of God is. That maybe God was limited by time. Maybe God is limited by space. God is only God for them inside the four walls of the church. He's just as much God out there as he is in here. He's God in Walmart. He's God on a construction site. He's God when you're at home with your children or with your spouse. He's not limited to here. I thank God that he's here. And there's, there, there's such a, a keen sense of his presence in corporate worship where two or three of you would gather together in my name. There will I be in your midst. Uh, there's some kind of promise of a, of a very tangible presence of God where people will join together in their faith. But it doesn't mean that God is limited to only move here. Some people believe that God was seasonal or dispensational, that God did things for the disciples, the apostles, and the early church that he will no longer do for you and I. Well, that makes me want to kick rocks. That makes me just want to say, well, praise God, I'm not Peter, James, or John. I'm the red-headed stepchild that was born... 2,000 years too late. If I want a miracle, then just tough. If I need the power of the Holy Ghost to turn the world upside down, well, just tough. Because I don't do those things anymore. Said who? Where did God ever say that he would ever stop moving? As a matter of fact, he said completely the opposite. He said this comforter he will abide with you forever. <laughs> Out of all the epistles of the entirety of the New Testament, if you get through the Gospels and you start in the epistles with the book of Acts, out of all of the epistles, from Acts to Revelation, the book of Acts is the only epistle in the book that doesn't end with amen, meaning that the book is still being written. Look at it for yourself. It just ends abruptly with Acts 28. There's no amen. It's like, a, it's like chapters have been left out. They have. It's the chapter we're writing. And if the Holy Ghost isn't moving, it's because we limited him. We drew a line in the sand and said God used to, but not anymore. I've heard people say, man, how the Lord used to move. Well, back in the old sanctuary. Well, he wasn't limited only to an old sanctuary. Oh, how God used to move back in the day. Ah, he's a present tense God. Amen. In Psalms, in that same chapter, in chapter 78, I wanted to back up and preview a few verses to hear what they said and how they drew a line in the sand. He divided the sea caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as an heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light by fire. You imagine you walk through a hole in the Red Sea big enough for two to six million people to all pass through. I forget how wide scholars say for the amount of time it took them to cross over 
how wide the hole had to be. Some scholars guess it was maybe a mile wide. We're not talking about a little ditch channel. We're talking about a hole a mile wide, however deep that sea was, walls of water standing up. And they walked up across, not through the mud, but on dry ground. It's like water had never been there. They're walking on a seabed that's dried up. They're walking through and they're looking at walls of water probably hundreds of feet high. How could you ever for the rest of your life draw any line anywhere at any time and think that there was anything God couldn't do? But they did. He caused them to pass through and he made waters to stand as a heap in the daytime. He led them with a cloud. He shaded them from the sun during the daytime. And he lit their night with a fire by night. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. God poured rivers out of a rock that followed them wherever the cloud by day and the fire by night led them. God gave them water to drink, not like a water fountain, but he said, as water out of great depths, like a waterfall. Not like a water fountain, but like a waterfall. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. They, and yet they sin yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lusts. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Amen. Yeah. It says, behold, he smote the rock that waters gushed out, and the streams overflow. Can he give bread also? It was, the, the psalmist said, this is what the children of Israel said. Yep. We watched Moses smite the rock. Yep. We watched rivers flow out of a rock and give all of us water to drink and all of our herds and all of our cattle and all of our flocks water to drink, but can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth, angry. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God. They drew a line and said God was limited. They trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven. Listen to this. And had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Yeah. Woo! Man, God gave them. Man, he made manna to rain down on. If God's raining bread on top of your head, how can you ever doubt God? If God is raining bread on your head, why are you drawing lines in the sand? I don't know what God's going to do if Biden and his cronies tank this thing. 
But it's getting worse by the day, folks. It ain't getting better. Every policy that comes out of his mouth is just simply mind-boggling in a dumb, mind-boggling way. So let me tell you, they're not that dumb. Every dumb policy is to tank capitalism. It is to destroy this nation and to do a start over, a reset. And the Antichrist is going to be the one that rules that one. They're marching to the Antichrist beat. It's getting worse and worse. I don't know what God would have to do if they tank the thing, but I am of the persuasion that God has to rain bread on my head. I'm not going to draw a line in the sand and say, well, God did it for the children of Israel, but he can't feed us today. I'm just bound to stand in Biden's soup line. I'll eat what God wants me to eat. Y'all probably knows I got enough stored up here to last a little while. He rained down manna upon them to eat and to give them of the corn of heaven. Man, this is right out of the King James Bible, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. God has no limit. Don't talk to me about what God can't do. I don't believe it. God is almighty. All power, he said, is given unto me. You know when he said that? After he was raised from the dead. He had spoiled principalities and made a show of them openly. After he had stripped the devil of all his power, then he was able to say, all power is now mine. The devil has no more artillery, no more ammunition. I got it all. All power is mine. And there's nothing I can't do. Luke 1 and 37, you know it, don't you? For with God, all things. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. In the book of Mark chapter 9 and verse 22, it says, this is a father speaking to Christ after he brought his son to the disciples and they couldn't help this father's boy. Jesus said, What's wrong with him? How often does this come on him? He said, oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, if you're almighty, if you can do it, if you have all power, and if there are no limitations upon your power or ability. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe. Jesus said, there are no limitations on me, Jack. The limitations is on you. If you can believe it, then I can do it. I know you, you, our mind thinks, hey, there's got to be a limit. There's just some things that God, I know by faith we'll say there's nothing that God can't do, but if it's not con- contradicting his 
holy nature or his holiness. Now, God cannot lie. God's not going to lie for you or nobody else. There's just some things that God cannot do because it goes against who he is as God. But within the confines of his holiness, of his being God, so to speak, there's nothing that God can't do. Right, Somebody said, well, God, just, just some things God's not going to do. Why? You don't know. Right. Brother Clendenin said, I was talking to a woman after service one night. Says so she come up to him, she's sobbing, just, just so remorseful, broken. She said, he said, I had preached on the, the power of God. He said, this woman came up and said, oh, I believe God can do anything. He said, I, 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 I want you to pray for my son. He said, he, he, he's dead. I, I'm, I'm a widow and he's my only child and, and he's died. He, he died and I need him. I need God to Raise him up. He said, well, I thought he must have died yesterday or last night or something. I need God to raise him up because I need him. I don't have anybody to help me or take care of him. He was my everything as far as my help and companionship. I want you to pray and ask God, would he give me my son back? He said, well, man, where is he at? She said, oh, he's in the cemetery. He's already buried. Yes, sir. He's been, well, how long has he been there? I think she said like nine years. He's been, he's been in the cemetery for nine years. He said, well, I was just about to explain to her, ma'am, he's, you know, he's been gone for a while. He's, he's a corpse, a dried up, shriveled up corpse at that. He's been in heaven for a long time, and God's just not going to bring that boy back and, you know, do that. He said, but as it, I was forming the words in my mouth to, te to tell her because he, he's thinking, God, God just won't do that. He said, don't you limit her faith. If she thinks that I can raise that boy from the dead, he's been in the cemetery for nine years, you just pray. You just lay hands on her and pray. Tell her that if that's God's will for that boy, then God can do it. He said, so that's what I did. I just laid hands on her and prayed, God, that'd be your will to raise that boy from the dead. She needs him down here on earth. Amen. But if not, Lord, we're going to love you because it's appointed unto man once to die. But God, we know you can we don't doubt your ability, not one bit. It says, all times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He said, no, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, 
Lord, I believe. Help us, thou my unbelief. He said, oh, God, what he was saying is the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples said they would have told you they believed too, but they couldn't cast that devil out of, out of that boy when Jesus did. They said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? He said, same reason that man cried, help thou my unbelief. He said, because of your unbelief. You limited God in your faith. He said, how be it this kind goeth not out. I've always thought he was talking about some, some demonic stronghold. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fast. He's talking about unbelief. Right. Unbelief is not cast out or crucified in a man except through prayer and fasting. Prayer builds your spirit up yes. to believe that God can fasten, tears down your flesh, right. and puts that flesh under subjection. That when your mind says, I don't think God can, your spirit brings that flesh under subjection. Say, what you talking about? God can. His word says. We, we, we keep our body under subjection. We, we make this flesh do what the word says do or what the spirit of God tells us to do, not the other way around. I just couldn't help myself. I had somebody tell me, you know, I would fast, but man, I get hungry. Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, that's kind of the whole point. Fasting is to tell your flesh, don't care. Don't matter. We're not eating today. We're seeking the Lord. Right. We're calling on the name of the Lord and believing God to grow us spiritually. Amen. Is keeping under our body. It says, how crazy would it be for me to draw a line in the sand with unbelief and tell the Lord, I believe you can do everything except. Everything but. Either he can do anything and everything or he can't. When I was pinning that down, the Lord said, add this to your notes. I'm serious, that's what he told me. Add this to your notes. God stopped the universe for Joshua. You understand from science how the universe works. The sun is in the center of our of our universe and the planet, planets that are aligned in the sun's orbit, they change on the number of them all the time. Yeah. But it was nine when I was going to school. Right. The earth being third in line, and so the earth is tilted on its axis, and we understand the sun don't move, right? Yeah. But the earth actually rotates around the sun and the earth is spinning on its axis which gives us a day a morning and an evening the sun's not moving but the earth is and it's spinning when the earth spins around away from the sun where we are it's night when it spins back around it's morning the bible said let me read it to you joshua 10 and 6 and the men of gibeon sent out to joshua 
to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not. For I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. He traveled all night to get to where they were. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to, to Beth, Beth Horon and smote them unto Azekah and unto Makeda. And in verse 11, they came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them to Azekah and they died. There were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Can you imagine they're getting away and Joshua don't have enough daylight to, to get them all killed before the sun goes down. And so in order that nobody escapes, he stops. He's pursuing, probably riding horseback as fast as he can ride. And he just stops and says, whoa, whoa. Son, stand still. Move. Stay where you're at until I can get them all dead. You know, from a scientific standpoint, that meant that the earth uh, that's spinning on its axis, that God put a brake on it. Just stop the earth, cold turkey. All the nine planets that are rotating around the sun, God just put a universal break, just pulled the break. Said, everybody, stop. My servant needs to finish what uh, I told him to start and to slay them all. Don't draw me a line in the sand. If a man can mash the break and the entire universe, all of the Milky Way stops because God heard his prayer and commanded it all to stop, then just don't tell me what God cannot do. Hallelujah. I don't have voice enough to shout. So somebody, for it's over, is going to have to shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't draw me a line in the sand. If Joshua was here, he would laugh at your line in the sand. Joshua would say, you kidding me? God put breaks on the universe. Joshua would say, I watch walls big enough for chariot races. 
to be run on them and houses to be built on them fall flat uh, just because uh, a group of men marched around them. The, the, the young boy, David, the early teenage boy would tell you, you kidding me, I watched a giant nine foot tall come crashing down to the ground with a stone and a sling. I killed a lion and a bear with my bare hands. I sat down in Africa in, a, in this rehab center that they had in the National Reserve for lions that were injured, they'd bring them to this hospital and work on them and grow them back to health in this big old enclosure. They'd take animals from the wild and they'd just dump them in by quarters over the fence for those wild lions and they'd all run up, get them a quarter or whatever. Anyway, this big old male lion was laying right up against the fence on the enclosure Matter of fact, his big old paws was touching the fence like that. And I eased over. He was asleep. I eased over because I didn't want him to wake up. I knelt down by the fence. I got them to take a picture of him. And I put my hand up against his paw, laying against the fence. I don't have little hands, but that lion's paw was, was my two hands put together. A lion's paw. That. And you're going to kill an animal that's got a foot that big with your bare hands when you're a little boy. Not if the Holy Ghost ain't with you. I wouldn't have dared got anywhere near that line except for that big, thick, tough, braided fence was in between me and him. You talking about knees knocking? I run into him in the bush. There's nothing in between us. But don't draw me a line in the sand because the Holy Ghost were to come on old Southern. <laughs> I might let, let go one and war shouts. Say, I'm warning you, lion. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on. Same spirit moved on old Daniel. He would erase your line in the sand said, I was in a whole den of them yeah. and I used them for a pillow. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God. God gave them a lockjaw. Yeah. They wouldn't have eaten me if they could have or would have because the angel of the Lord that pre-incarnate Christ walked down into that lion's den and just told every one of them, you just lay there. And be still and don't open your mouth until I tell you you can. Yeah. Just erase your line in the sand. Either God can or he can't. That's right. And if he can't, then you're lost and we're all on our way to hell. Yeah. There's no heaven and no hell in life don't have any meaning. But if God can, then he can do anything. Yeah. And he'll do it for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. While our God is all powerful and unlimited, Satan is not. Now, I, I, I could just preach on limiting God, and that'd make me shout, and we 
say we had church that was good. But whereas man can't draw a line in the sand and limit God, God has drawn his line in the sand and limited the devil. God has no line of limitation, but Satan does. Is somebody going to shout for me? Y'all going to make me do it, ain't you? That hurts me to do it, so y'all need to come on with it. While our God is all-powerful and unlimited, Satan is not. Satan has been given his line in the sand. No wonder Satan tempted Israel and said, Hey, why don't you draw God a line in the sand and tell him he can't do it? You want to know why he wanted them to draw a line in the sand and say to God, You can't because God drew him a line in the sand and said, I don't care how hard you try, old boy. There's some things you can't do and you won't ever be able to do. Hallelujah to God. Jeremiah chapter 5. Mark this in your Bible because it's worth going back and studying. Jeremiah 5 and verse 20, declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree? that it cannot pass it, and though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. God in creation drew a line in the sand and said to the floodwaters, you can come right here and you gotta stop. That's right. Now there may be a hurricane or a tidal wave that puts waves over the shoreline, but if you Give it to another day. All the waters have to do what? They have to recede and flow back into the sea. And when it's over with, the east coast is still the east coast. And the west coast is still the west coast. And the gulf coast is still the gulf coast. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because God said this is the way it is. Yeah. Ocean, sea, this is the way it is. See this sand right here? This is your line. You can go this far and that's it. You ain't ever going any further than that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Amen. He said, won't you tremble at my presence? Won't you believe my word? When you look at the ocean, we live on the ocean, so this is us. We live on the ocean. That white sand is God's line in the sand. It said to the Gulf of Mexico, this is as far as you're able to go. You say, well, that's good. That's water. But you're talking about the devil. I am talking about the devil. Isaiah 59 and 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy, when the enemy, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. When the devil tries to cross the boundary like the flood tides of water, 
I lift up a standard against him. I draw a line in the sand and say, that's it, old boy. You're not doing anything more. They're mine, and you can't do anything more than I allow you to do. When the enemy comes in like a flood, there's a line. A line that God drew in the sand. God said, go down there. Well, God didn't tell you to do this. Don't take none because they say it's against the law. Take any of that white sand, bring it home with you. People do it all the time. Take some of that white hand, scoop it up in your hand. Just let it run through your fingers. God said, I created every individual grain. Just little, tiny, minuscule, tiny little specks in your hand. God said, that's my line to stop oceans and seas and rivers. That's my barrier. They tell me that every individual grain of sand is almost like a fingerprint, that they are all different. There are no two identical grains of sand in the world. Who knows how many trillions of billions of grains of sand they are making up shorelines around the world. But God said, I made every individual grain and I put them there as a line of demarcation, a barrier, and told the water, you can't go any farther. And God told Satan, when you try to flood my people, when you try to overwhelm my people, when you try to crush or destroy my people, I'm going to draw a line and say, enough! That's why after 2,000 years, the church is still here. God drew a line at Calvary and said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You can't, uh, you can't destroy the church. You can't uh, defeat the church. You can't uh, eliminate the church. I said you can't. The church is still here. There's a church in China. There's a church in the Arab world. There's a church uh, in the liberal states across this nation. There'll be a church when Biden's dead and gone. There'll be a church uh, in spite of Nancy Pelosi and Oliver Cronin. God drew the line. I didn't. And said, my church uh, will prevail. Hallelujah to God. Somebody get me an invitation to Congress uh, or the Senate. Uh, Somebody tell them I want to preach on the White House steps. But the church has always been and the church always will be because God drew a line in the sand told Satan that he couldn't do away with his church. 1 Samuel 14 and 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor, come, let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Listen to this. I like this. It's worth highlighting it in your Bible. For there is no restraint to the Lord. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Hallelujah. God don't have a line. But the devil does. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when God got sick of the Philistines coming against his people, 
God used one boy, Jonathan, and his armor bearer. And says, slaughter them wheat. I'm tired of them. Amen. I know it feels like you against a whole horde of demons. But if you can believe, you can believe God. God can use one man, one woman, one somebody that will draw a line in the sand and say, devil, that's just about enough. Hallelujah to God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There have no temptation. There have no test or trial taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you? Who will not allow you to be tested or tried? For you to be tempted above that that ye are able. But will with the temptation, with the test and the trial that you face tonight, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I just can't bear it. I just can't handle it. This is more than I can take. I'm going to lose my mind. It seems like I'm going down for the count. It seems like the devil's going to win. He's not. And you're not. And yes, you can. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It may feel like you're going to die, but you're going to live and declare the works of the Lord. That's what the Bible said. Ye shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Listen, God said every temptation, every test and trial has an expiration date on it. And it has a limitation to it. You don't believe me. God said to the devil, he said, I tried to get to Job. You got a hedge built about him. He said, I'll take the hedge away. You can have all of his stuff. You can touch everything that pertains to him. And you can touch his body. You can rack him with boils from the head to the toe with a loathsome disease. You can take everything he's got, but you can't. You can't take his life. For I'm the giver of life. I gave that life. And I'll be the one to take it. You can't take his life. And Satan took everything he could take. But when he got to to that loathsome disease and the Lord heard Job say, Naked came I into the world and naked shall I depart. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm looking for him before me and behind me to the right and to the left. And I can't find him. But he knows the way that I take. And when I have have come through this trial, I'm going to come out of it like pure gold. Hallelujah to God. I know one thing. God's on my side. He said, though the skin worms devour this flesh in this flesh, I'm going to see God. Why? Because I know my Redeemer lives. Oh, the Bible said, after all this, God blessed Job with twice 
as much as he ever had. God gave him double for his trouble because he wouldn't draw a line in the sand. He refused to say, I'll just curse God and die and believe that God couldn't or God wouldn't. He knew God could and he believed that God would. I rehearse it in the devil's ear. There's a line, old boy, that you can't cross. I'm blood bought. You can oppress me, but you can't possess me. You can hinder me, but you can't stop me. Well, hallelujah to God. You can fight me, but you can't beat me. Why? Uh, there's nothing in my flesh that's any match for the devil. It's that line in the sand. It's that blood of Jesus Christ. It's Calvary. Yeah. It's a baptism. Yeah. It's the word of God. It's a line, yeah. a perpetual line in the sand that man, woman, boy, or girl, eight or 80, it matters not. If you walk with God, you belong to him. And Satan has his limitations. All right. If I was sick, I'd just say to the devil, I'm immortal until God's finished with me. In this flesh, I'm going to see God. I'm going to praise him. Anyhow, weeping endures the night, but joy is coming in the morning. I'm going to get well. As sure as my name's Eddie Sullivan, my God is a healer. And I am going to believe him to heal me. I'll get well or I'll wake up in his likeness. Don't matter if I die. It takes nothing away from the fact that I've watched God heal and he'll always be a healer. He won't allow you to be tested above that that you're able. But he will with the temptation. Come on, curse and help also make a way to escape. And ye shall be able to bear. Hallelujah to God. I have felt the Holy Ghost in this house. There's so many examples. In the Bible through Christ. Or I could show you that Christ just came up on the devil. So that's enough. Shut up. That man in Gadara come running up and fell down at Jesus' feet. That man's worse than Christ. And Satan cried out, said, oh, don't torment us before our time. Don't torment us before our time. And the Lord said, that's enough. Stop talking. Shut up. You don't speak unless I allow you to speak. They said, just suffer us to go into the swine. Send us not into the abyss. He said, then get out then. Get out. That line, that coastline, it's a wonder that he met him on the shore. God told me this. There's showdown on the shoreline when Jesus stepped out of the boat. You remember Satan when you were Lucifer, the morning star covering cherub 
Do you remember when I made this earth? Do you remember when I created all these little granules of sand and told the water, this is as far as you can go. Good place for me and you to meet. This is my line in the sand. Leave this boy alone. He's cried day and night, cut himself, lived among the tombs, and today you're coming out. Today is this boy's day of deliverance. He's cried for the last time. He's going to leave here with peace and joy and victory. When the inhabitants of Gadara come back, he was clothed and in his right mind. Somebody might ask, hey, did you see what happened to that boy? How in the world? And the story, the answer might have went something like this. I watched that Jesus draw a line in the sand and tell the devil, Get out. They ran out to that herd of swine. The swine jumped over in the sea and all drowned themselves. God don't have a line. If you, I want to tell you, if you want to put a limit on anybody, then take your line in the sand with God and erase it. And then you walk over to the devil and that line you had for God you just say pardon me old boy I had this backwards I had I had this confused the line wasn't supposed to be over here the line's right here enough enough whether it be today tomorrow next week next month or next year there's coming a day when Satan is going to hear that's just about enough the Bible said that God's going to take that joker by the nap of his neck and cast him into the lake of fire. He's got a limit, a boundary, and an expiration date. He's only got a little while left. When he's been in hell, the lake of fire, 10 billion years, I'll still be shouting around the throne of God. Somehow, I don't read about no sand in heaven because the sea is now glass. And if you take all the, those fine granules of sand and crush them and heat them and melt them together, you get glass. Hallelujah. The Bible said around the throne of God is a sea of glass he's surrounded by the sea all the sand all the line of demarcation all the boundaries all the limitations are gone there's only a sea of glass now everything in heaven is going to speak to the greatness of our God even the throne that we sit down with him in will mark to our ability in Christ as overcomers that Satan was limited the Bible said that there's going to be a, a hole, a portal where we can walk over and look down into the abyss of hell we're going to be reminded hey Satan yeah. there it is you down there we're up here you lost 
we were made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Hallelujah to the Lord God. Hallelujah to the Lord God omnipotent. Hallelujah to the Lord Jesus who reigns forever. How many of you feel like erasing God's line? Praising Him for being almighty and at the same time staring all your problems and trials in the face and drawing you a line and say this too shall pass. I'm coming out of this with victory in Jesus. How many of you will meet God in this altar? There's one line that needs to be erased. One line that needs to be drawn. This line in the sand means nothing to God but it's Satan's stop sign tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.